Hey, this is Jack Morrissey welcoming you. Welcoming. Welcome. Welcome. Wet, wet look at me, me. Yeah, of course we're keeping going. Are you kidding at this point? After the last episode where I talked all about my fucking shrink. Um, episode 46, Team Jack, the podcast, The Vast Empire. Episode 46, The Clement Configuration. With our special guest, Tyler Clement. That's spelled C-L-E-M-E-N-T. And that's how you spell it. And then the word configuration. Matt Cohen is also staring at me. Shaking my head. Do either of you know what that's a reference to? I don't actually know. The lament configuration. Oh, nice. 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 Nicely done. I don't. Hellraiser. I still don't. Nope. Hellraiser. All right. <laughs> so it's Julia gonna be a guest next week. What's that skinless Julia? Exactly. Sit back, Tyler. Just chill out. Um Tyler Clement, are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. And your Twitter handle? It is Tyler underscore Clement. Hold Tyler the underscore hold the mic, hold the mic closer Tyler to your mouth. Underscore. I could say it a few more times. Exactly. Do you have anything else you want to pimp? Official website? Um, sure. Anything? Yeah. Why not? Um, I'd love to pimp. I should have told. Um, I should have warned you about this ahead of time that we always do the pimping up front. No, pimping up front is always best. You should have warned me that Tyler was such a sp- soft-spoken gentleman. I need to fucking like bump this thing up higher than I've ever bumped it up in my life. <laughs> is this Jesus, your first, po- is you this like your first podcast, Tyler? I'm sorry. First podcast. Yeah. First podcast. Yeah. Why not? Enunciate, sir. Enunciate. Exactly. <laughs> So, yes, uh, Twitter is Tyler underscore Clement. We got that part. Um, I thought, you know, why not three times trying? Okay. And um, my website is Tyler-Clement.com. That's a hyphen, too. Yeah. Right? Could be a hyphen. I like Tyler-Clement.com. <laughs> got it. Here's the runner-up title for this episode. Almond time. Almond time. 3.30 every day. Three and a half hours after I have my metabolic drive bar. Chocolate chunk flavor is the one I prefer, but I'll make do with cookie dough since the company that produces them out of Colorado is out of stock on chocolate chunk. I'll make do. Three and a half hours later, I have a generous handful of almonds. A generous what handful. What generous handful like a giant's hand. You have an ashtray full of almonds, dude. That's my special almond dish bowl. Fancy exactly. almond dish. What yeah? What constitutes a generous size of almonds? Almost more than I can fit in my single open palm. Definitely more than you could fit in your single okay. open palm. Matt Cohen. <laughs> Shush. Anyway, Tyler Clement, I've known you for a year and a half, maybe. Uh, about a year, a little over. Tyler, a year. Com- yeah. Tyler Clement, it should be noticed, did attend both the premiere and after party for the Twilight Saga: Breaking Dawn Part One last November at I Nokia. Did. I did. L.A. Live was fantastic. Exactly with the person who was he was dating at the time. Should we speak of it or not speak of it? You can do whatever you like. Kerrigan Hennings, who has been on the show many episodes, who is our resident Team Jack attorney. A boy? No, I'm kidding. Exactly. <laughs> this is Kerrigan's ex. Right on. I wouldn't say I'm an ex. You we should have them on the same podcast. You were never really sufficiently a thing. I don't. Think he brought so. you to that premiere. That's true. And the after party. All right. Well. Hey, uh, <laughs> almond time almond continues. Time. Um, much like Eric Odom and I, 
uh, Tyler and I bonded over our very specific interest, love for um, very specific horror movies. Yeah, I think horror. Yeah, horror. Right? I think that's that's sort of what did it. And then we've literally been talking about bringing you on this podcast for oh wow, no. months and months through months. countless sad texts that usually go right off the cliff. They were sad. They they're weepy texts. I like to sad Panda Express texts. <laughs> exactly. Um, how long have you been out here? Oh God, I've been out here for. This is called the boilerplate, aka the heavy lifting. Awesome. The basic been... biographical data. Yes, let's start. I'm writing a book right now. Uh, I've been out here for six years. Yeah, right. six years this month. Crazy. Right. From beautiful Durango, Durango Colorado. Colorado. Yes. I stayed at the Double Tree there. It was lovely. It's right on the Snake River, I believe it was called. Yeah, I have also River. stayed at Which that River? Double the Tree. The Animus River. The Animus River, but yeah. I think Snake River has a better ring. And I had, you, you stayed there too? Yes. And they got the balcony. Uh, if you get in the back, I had a balcony that looked right over the river. Yep. And Mesa Verde mm-hmm. was National not, Park. Not I can't even believe away. this is what's great about podcasting. That was that's, my, that did you go to Mesa Verde? Hilarious. I did. That's I went there I, with my parents. That's why I stayed in Durango. When I drove to New York for Cop Out, I, I hit like 10 national parks on my way. It took me like two weeks to get there. And ladies and gentlemen, and my first we move, have just, the wind has just I went L.A. to Durango. Sale. Durango was my first stop on my road trip. That's amazing. Yeah, because a, so- a buddy of mine said it was really cool. So he, he said the double tree was like... Right on the fucking river. And they leave chocolate chip cookies. And they do. And they do. And they're delicious. And they do. All um, double trees. I had never stayed at one until that, that trip. Yeah, including yeah. the double tree at Chesterfield where I always stay. They usually offer that, they offer that chocolate chip cookie to you upon check-in right out of an oven that they have in a wall behind yes. the, re- behind the, uh, the main Roanoke, reception. The Roanoke, Virginia one did that. <laughs> yeah. I remember. <laughs> I remember my mom. All over the place. My yeah. mom worked at the Double Tree in Durango for a while, and she'd bring tins of those cookies home. Nice. <laughs> here's here's my really note on the, on the chocolate chip cookies as served at the Double Tree Hotel and Conference Center in Chesterfield, Missouri, the westernmost suburb of St. Louis, or it was at the time when I lived there. Not good enough. There's nothing special about those chocolate that. Did chip you think cookies. About writing a strongly worded letter to Chesterfield, no. Double Tree, no, no, because after all, it's free. Yeah, they don't exactly go. include it in the in their sales pitch for what you get with the room, so it's a true perk. Whatever. Um, I stayed in Durango with my parents when we went to Mesa Verde National Park, which is something my dad and I had always talked about wanting to do about five years ago. Uh, to see the unbelievably spectacular Anasazi cliff dwellings. Yes. Uh, that are, that have their sort of best and most visually striking concentration inside, uh, Mesa Verde National Park in Colorado. Um, Durango is sort of the closest main town to Mesa Verde, correct? Yeah. And then you have Cortez too. Right. Which is, yeah, well, let's just say Durango. Cortez isn't fun to talk about. But who put Durango on the map most famously within the last decade or so? That would be Oprah Winfrey, Oprah would Winfrey. it not? Yeah. Who stayed there with Gail. Gail. How do we pronounce her last name? I don't know. I don't even know what her last name is. Is it King or? <laughs> All right. I thought it was something else. Um, and fill me in on the latest. What do we know about Oprah and Gail? Are they or aren't they? I have no idea. I mean, I feel like Oprah has... A lot of time in her day to get things done. And Gail may be just one of them. <laughs> well played. Well, thank you. Thank um, you. 
just last night, I was talking with Tyler and his current boyfriend about Durango. Yes. And the first thing that comes to mind for me with Durango is not any of its historic brick hotels that line the, you would say, four or five block long Main Street that is straight out of anybody's idea of historic, uh, historic American sort of, not even small town, but like a significant Colorado kind of mining town, kind of. Yeah, it has a like eight, late 1800s Western look. It's kind of cool. First thing that comes to my mind is chicken and dumplings served in a copper uh, skillet at the Palace Restaurant, which is located immediately beside the Durango Terminus Yes, the Durango for the Durango Silverton, Silverton Railroad. Narrow gauge. And have you taken that railroad? Have we discussed this? Oh, time? yeah. God. So many times that it's actually nauseating to think about going on it again. How long does it refresh my memory? It's, this is a historic railroad. It's been preserved and restored. Yeah, it's one of those. That runs little... between Durango and Silverton. Silverton is literally a historic Colorado mining town. Very high in the... Silver. Silver Mountains? Yes. No, the the Plata Mountains, but they're known for silver mining. Okay. Um, yeah, Silverton's only open six months during the year because it gets snowed in. You right. can't get there. Right. Um, Who's so getting nauseous listening, listening to me chew on almonds, by the way? Here's hoping that some of our listeners are. Blind people, weirdly okay. enough. Right. I, found, I found out. It's because they're, they're hearing Their hearing is so sensitive. I've, I've heard, like, I've gotten complaints from blind listeners <laughs> in the past. Like, hey, I'm a blind guy. Every time you eat, I want to fucking throw up. So, like, don't. Mm. Or no, blind people, just go get almonds. Yeah, join in the fun. Absolutely. It's Come almond on. time. Come on, Come blind on people. Stop being wagon. sticks it's in the It's Greg almond time. <laughs> um, all right, so, Tyler, how long does it take to, once we board in... Durango, next to the Palace Restaurant, having had our chicken and dumplings of served course, in a copper skillet. Get on the train. How long does it take for us to get up to Silverton in the six months of the year that we can actually make the mountain passage? It's like three and a half hours. Each way? Yeah. When you get there, why don't you go ahead and describe what the experience of arriving in Silverton is like, because it's amazing. Well, as you slowly chug down the mountainside, Jack. And, no, you and slowly turn. chug up the mountainside. No, you, you go down. Once you get into Silverton, you go. Oh, okay. Yes, right, right, right. You down. go way the fuck up. Yeah, you do. It's kind of awesome. You you get to right. like be on the side of these rocky cliffs next to these gorges, um, looking straight down at the what river? At the Animus River. Okay, same river. Yeah, same river. Got it. Um, and then yeah, you get dropped off in Silverton. You have I think a couple hours to kill, maybe less. Okay. Um, which is ample time in Silverton since there's basically like three businesses that are open. Right. Um, yeah, and it's actually a really cool little town. I was just there in August with my mom and um, my stepdad and Brian. Right. And yeah, we had lunch and got coffee, and it was the nice. railroad pulls right into the center of town. It's not right on like thirty of days of night, kind of right next to the old brothel. Right, yeah. which is code for whorehouse. Yes, and uh, it pulls into. Pulls on to sort of a roundhouse, right? That literally turns the train around. Yeah, it actually it, it like comes in to the main road, and then there's kind of this V shape where it can turn around. Right. Okay. Basically. And yeah, at that point, the lifeblood of Silverton has arrived, mm-hmm. and the tourists disembark the train, fan out into the town, 
looking for food and whatever else they're gonna fool's gold pay Brothels, pay for and take coffee. with them. Yes, yeah, sex, hopefully, which will be my we next question. We should open a uh, brothel slash coffee shop and call it Frothel. That'd be a great idea. Right? As, um, who is it? Like Jenny Wright, I think, from Near Dark, put it in Young Guns too. A good old boots on the floor, or sawdust on the floor, whorehouse. <laughs> um, have you ever gone up to Silverton for the express purpose of like a weekend getaway, a.k.a. sex? No, I haven't. No. It'd be a good idea. I put that on the checklist. I mean, it's so isolated. It is right. Totally. I, mean, I feel like we could get away with it. It is fucking spectacular. It's, it's a beautiful. It's again, a beautiful town. A beautifully preserved Colorado mining town, literally located at the bottom of sort of a true bowl of mountains that's yeah. surrounded on all sides. The first thing you're struck by um, is the avalanche meter. Measuring oh, the risk right. of avalanche I that's on the side of maybe the police station or something. You remember all of this stuff. It's pretty, I, I was really struck by it visually. It is stunning. How many times have you been there? Once. Okay. Was more about this you knew the name of the fucking restaurant you got the chicken and dumplings at. Dude, <laughs> Jack, chicken that's and Jack, fucking dude. dumplings. Yeah. As soon as you started telling the story, it, I was actually thinking in my mind, I was like, it's amazing. Almond time. The way you present information on things that you were, like stuff that people would just completely glare over. You're giving like a Thank mini you. documentary on. Oh. Fucking Durango. I remember yeah, there was a, like there was a hotel, there was a river. Durango. I don't remember anything else about Durango, Colorado. But here's the thing. I'm 45 years old, and I've only recently started getting drunk. I'm, shall we say, <laughs> having other pursuits that will not be named. Um, so unadulterated memory is what you've got, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all yeah. going to go away. Also known as Total Recall. Total Recall. Did you see the new one? Did you see Schwarzenegger's interview on 60 Minutes the I other night? I did not know. What? Jesus Christ. Just look up sociopath in the yeah. dictionary.com and there's his face. Well, he married the Crypt Keeper, so I mean. <gasps> did I just say that? <laughs> She's a Kennedy. She is. Fantastic. <laughs> and I love her intro to that amazing show. Um, I did see the remake of Total Recall and I found it sadly wanting in all departments. I didn't go see it, but. Did you see. The remake of Judge Dredd. No, I can't. It's I can't. awesome. Really? Awesome. Cohen, did you get to it? But everyone, that's what everyone says. I'm actually excited for it. It's so awesome. And I don't care that it's the raid. I would give it. I'd give it. A, I'd yeah, give it a chance. Yeah. I would give it a chance. I don't. I don't know. I, I do want to see it very badly, but I'm not going to go to theaters. To What's your beef with it, Tyler? I'm just. I kind of have a beef with remakes in general. I feel like why fix what's not broken? But oh, who said it? Judge Dredd was fucking Yeah, have you not, seen the original no, I, starring Sylvester right, Stallone? Right, you're very right. Yes, I have. But it's been a long time. Yikes. So it was probably sensationalized by my youth. Almond time. Yeah, no, it's horrible, dude. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I don't think I would even give that a second chance to watch. No, no, no. But no, Total Recall, I kind of wanted to see, but the first one's so great. The first one is a classic. The first one's amazing. It's no Robocop. No. But it's a near second, and most people would probably put it second above Starship Troopers, which would be the third great science fi science fiction epic by that director, Mr. Paul Verhoeven, who's going to be a guest on our show next week. Oh, wow. Not true. Um, <laughs> all right, so you grew up in Durango, Colorado. Yes. Did you ever drive up to Mesa Verde National Park oh, to the cliff dwellings for the purposes of sex? No, but hey, there's that kiva where you can just go yeah. down under the ground. I think that'd be a perfect place for some... Some yeah. sex. Exactly where my mind went. Maybe we can grind some corn first. 
Right. Do some more grinding. <laughs> um, on your grinder. On my, on, on the grinder. Uh, no, I haven't been to Mesa Verde in forever. It's been a long time. I think the last time I was there was probably when I took a bus there for a school trip. But. Because it's, it's like what, maybe 40 minutes from Durango? Yeah, if that. It's, it's a really cool drive, I remember. It's very green. Yeah. It is cool. And then you go up that Colorado huge, yeah, that huge mountain. mountain. It just doesn't stop. And then, well, like, yeah, I did Mesa Verde, and then I kept going up the mountain, and I, and then after like an hour of fucking still driving one way up that mountain, I was like, I made a mistake, man. I'm, <laughs> I'm dead. I don't know where the fuck I am. The thing went forever. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a long time. It's near the so-called Four Corners. Yeah. Would you care to explain that for our... I went there too. educated Catholic school. Yes, the four corners. Listeners such as your Catholic school <laughs> under under aware, underfunded. Catholic school underwear. Catholic school underwear. Anyway, we open That's the name of the people who don't know simple fucking geography like me because they went to Catholic school well, or public school. And there it uh, is. The four corners. The four corners is, I think it's about. Small independent probably, from, from about 1991. Like 20-some miles from Durango, it's Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona, and Utah. And it's where all those states meet. And you can be in four states at once. That'd and be a good place to there? have sex, too. You That'd can have sex in four have sex. states at once. Who what gets else to happens say there? That? UFOs? UFO? No, that's Roswell. Right. But, yeah, you're, you know, Near you're enough. at the four corners, so you're somewhat in Arizona. Near enough. <laughs> um, what what brought you to Mexico. L.A.? Yeah. What brought you to I, L.A., I Arizona, Tyler? you're right, New Mexico. Yeah. I'm sorry? What brought you to L.A.? Acting. acting. Yeah, acting brought me to L.A. Right. Mm-hmm. And then um, I went Unlike back to most school. actors, he actually went to fucking university. I did. I just graduated in June. From UCLA. From UCLA. The University of California at Los Angeles. Yes, sir. With a degree in... Anthropology. Useless. Yes, useless. And you'll useless. never be paid... Nope. To make use of nope. that information, which even now is leaking right out of your ears. It is, actually. I was, I was wondering what that was, actually. Exactly. <laughs> um, four-year program? Graduate program? Four-year program. In no anthropology. Yep. I was Tyler Clement. Nothing but the best for our listeners, by the way. Tyler Clement graduated this highly prestigious program at UCLA. With highest honors. Am I wrong about that? No, you're, you're right. Thank you. What's up? What's I just sit here and eat almonds and like and access, access the data files in my head and make esoteric connections <laughs> that will be of little or no interest to I love it. Christina it's... Evans while she writes tickets at the National Park Service in Washington, D.C. on Sunday mornings listening to our episode. It's amazing. If we have it up by Sunday, which I find unlikely given recent history. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you came to L.A. Came to L.A. Pursue acting. Yep. Immediately put yourself into school. Yes. Clever girl. And then, the, yeah, you've actually done pretty well with the acting. I have, actually. Um, cr- crazy enough, um, kind of kept myself in school with it a little bit here and there. And then a week before graduation, I booked a big commercial. And then I just kept booking left and right. It's what was that commercial? Uh, Crackle. It's um, like a Netflix kind of streaming site. So yeah, it was the was first. It national. It was a global. A global. Actually, yeah, it's like on their website. It plays on Hulu. Wow. It's on TV. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it was great. That's awesome. And then um, did Sony and Samsung and Nike, and an interactive thing for that show Homeland. 
Right. Um, the multiple Emmy Award winning Homeland. Yes, yes, yes. On Showtime Network. Which I wish it was the actual show. That'd be far much more interesting. You're just getting started, Tyler. <laughs> yes, I'm just getting started. It's <laughs> possible. Um, refresh my memory as to certain common favorite horror movies. Common favorite horror movies. Jaws. Exorcist 3. For sure. Jaws is an obs- shared obsession. Great White Shark obsession. Yes, I think Jaws 2 more so than Jaws. We talk about Jaws 2 more. Yep. Um, Rosemary's Baby, I remember, yeah. was one of them, I think we had talked about. Yeah. Hellraiser, which we started the show off with. Exactly. <laughs> uh, waxwork? Did, did we ever talk no, about Waxwork? We did, not di- we did not devolve into Waxwork. Oh, my God, I love Waxwork. Really? Yes, one of my favorites. directed Stuart Gordon or somebody? Oh, my God. I'm, maybe it's not Fred Decker, is it? Night maybe of the not. Creeps, I don't Fred remember. Decker. I don't remember. Could be. It's amazing. It's about a bunch of slutty teenagers who do drugs and go to this big Matt mansion Cohen. that's actually a, a wax museum and get like thrown into the actual wax exhibits. One's like Dracula. Anthony Hickox. Anthony oh, who directed Hellraiser 2. Waxwork, most notable in my mind as the only other film I've ever seen Zach Galligan in. Oh, that's right. Other than Gremlins. The Gremlins other yeah. than Gremlins 1 and 2 and the soon-to-be Hatchet 3. Wow. He's on that, I know. Wow. He's looking okay, though, isn't he, Zach Galligan? He looks all right. He looks like an older version of Zach. He looks like exactly what you think that dude would look like 20 years later. Hmm. What is Phoebe Cates up to? Married to uh, Kevin Klein. Really? It has been for like a, more than a decade. How did I not know that? Mm-hmm. I can't even remember if I... Re- if I um... Jesus Christ. Did I actually said this on the last episode or not. I can't even remember. It all runs together here in Los Angeles where... It's summer all the time. It's 97 degrees on the 3rd of October Every in Runyon day. Canyon. Not a cloud in the sky. Not a big fan. Um, I was reading a... Do you recall me talking about reading a travel story on Ireland in the Sunday LA Times calendar, Matt Cohen? Yeah, I do. All right. With an, Anthony, with an Andrew McCarthy reveal, correct? Yes, absolutely. That, he writes, that he writes travel, travel writing. writing now, yeah. Done, dispatched. Zach Galligan, Andrew McCarthy, done. Next. Tyler Clement. Uh, exactly. The, uh, and I've, I've what are others? You. Waxwork. Waxwork. Oh, God, I love that. What's movie. your favorite horror movie of all time? By the way, I don't consider Jaws a horror movie. Neither do I. Yeah, I don't There's either. no supernatural element. You're right. I would say my favorite horror movie of all time is Nightmare on Elm Street. The remake, of course, starring Kellen Lutz. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I the original with Johnny Depp in sweatpants. Yes. Hey, oh. And what? Mm-hmm. Heather Langenkamp. Is that mm-hmm. Yep. Who lives very happily now in That's Malibu. Great. I have. I think it's my favorite because I really have this nostalgic connection to it. My oh, um, my brother used to to own like the first four on VHS, and I was never allowed to watch them. I was probably five or six, and my mom, I don't know why, for some reason, felt like she could leave me home alone. Um, for a PTA meeting, which is ironic. Right, <laughs> um, exactly. And I snuck into my brother's room and I popped it in the VCR and that's all she wrote. Wow. I loved it. I loved it like five minutes in. All right, check this. Your favorite, that's your favorite horror movie, but what's the one that scares you the most or did scare you the most when you first saw it? Can we pa- hit pause? Not literally. No, good. Have you been by the, have you been by Nancy's house? I have. Just south of Sunset Boulevard, just 
east of Fairfax. That's right. Yeah, it was one of the first, a mere block away from the Jamie Lee Curtis babysitting house from the original Halloween. I didn't you know didn't know that, that did you? No. You know where the new Zanku chicken is? Maybe. You know where the Blockbuster is? Almore yeah, Liquor, yeah, yeah. the best liquor store in Los Angeles. Zanku Chicken, okay. replacing KFC, and Blockbuster, which is about to become a Chase oh Bank. Another right? Chase? Yes, and I love them. Okay. Don't start. Um, <laughs> that street, whatever it's called, that's between the Zanku Chicken, which is a local L.A. chicken place that people are obsessed with, and Blockbuster becoming Chase. Go up that street, All right. about three houses on the right-hand side. You will see the distinctive house that Michael Myers was shot off the balcony of awesome. over the front porch. And therefore, across the street and like one house up is the house where PJ Souls was killed. But they've put an, uh, an unsightly addition on over the garage, so you'll have to work a little harder to recognize that house. You can still recognize it, but they've changed it. The house that Jamie, Jamie Lee Curtis is babysitting in is incredibly recognizable from both Halloween 1 and 2. Um, I can't believe I've unbelievable, Unbelievably dense leafy canopy over that street that covers the scrubby Southern California hillside visible literally. If you just keep driving like one more block, you're like, oh, my God, of course we're in the middle of L.A., but depending on how you've got your camera pointed on that street, it, it totally passes for... Uh, Haddonfield, Illinois, which is where the original Halloween is set. That's awesome. I'll have to check it out. I mean, the how interesting, though, right? That's so cool. The Elm Street house was one of the first things I did when I was in LA. I like, had to go see and it. And that also has the Johnny Depp house down the street yes. and across the street where That's he's right. swallowed by his and splurted out of his mattress. It's um, back up. It's Orange Grove Avenue for Nightmare on Elm Street or Halloween. Halloween, I think. The one right off the Probably. sunset, I think it's Orange Grove. Yeah. yeah. And Halloween, I think, is maybe Genesee, or uh, Nightmare is Genesee. Don't Genesee, yeah, you're right, it's Genesee. Yeah. Hey, Genesee. Hey, Genesee. Um, all right, so, Where were we? Cohen. Yeah, here it is right here. I Googled it. Tommy Doyle's house is uh, 15, Doyle, 1530 right. North Orange Grove. This is perfect for an October episode. And Lindsay Genesee. Wallace's Amazing. house was 1537 North, right across the street. There are two Halloween houses on that block. Yeah, because, again... Lindsay Wallace is where PJ Souls, PJ Souls. is yeah. babysitting. Um, what's the movie that most scares you? Or did, up on or did scare question. you? I, I would say time. did scare me because I, I don't really get scared that easily. I mean, and um, also, does anyone get scared consistently every time? Once you watch a movie once, it takes away 90% of the scare power. Yeah, not totally. Beaches with Bette Midler and Barbara Hershey. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't taken that, that trip yet. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm thinking. I'm p- thinking particularly of the avant-garde number O Industry, oh, which yes. I loved at the time and still kind of like, but isn't its way terrifying. <laughs> thank, thank you, Gary Marshall, who will be a guest on uh, next week's show. <laughs> um, um, yes, yeah, movie that scared me the most. I was three. I can picture this moment vividly. Again, doing what I was not supposed to be doing. Um, my brother was watching Jason Took Manhattan, uh-huh. and I went to bed. I was three years old, right? Um, and I snuck out and sat on top of the balcony on our staircase and watched Jason Took Manhattan. Had nightmares right. for weeks. Wow. Yes, I imagine. I, I keep picturing the the pen going through his eyeball through the uh, the sea captain's door. Well, there we are. Never on the ship. Yes. So what you were, is that the answer the you were hoping in, for, Michael? Yeah. <laughs> Jason takes Vancouver. 
What's the movie that most scared you, Matt Cohen? Um, I think uh, theater going wise, Event Horizon. Weirdly enough, I've really? heard other people talk about it too, and it's really, really weird because it was. Were you high? I wasn't high. I was like fucking fourteen. Um, Were you high? No, I was not. Sure. <laughs> this was before being high. Um, and uh, it was. It made me feel sick. Literally, like, like, kind of nauseous. I can't describe it any other way. And it was, huh. it was the, the the lighting and the sound design. And I've spoken to other people before. The production design and costume design are are it's pretty imp- impeccable. It's pretty, especially it's in pretty theaters. Creepy. Like, it's pretty yeah. fucking terrifying on a weird, yeah. unhinging level. A stir of echoes really fucked me up when I saw it in theaters. That's a really good movie. Arachnophobia. Um, I hate arachnophobia. When I was a kid, I was. Like, I, it gave me arachnophobia. To this day, I still haven't seen any of the child's play films because I was uh, scarred by them as a child. That's interesting. I find them quite funny, actually. It's weird. I love I love um, horror movies and stuff like that. But we've talked about it. I've never, but I can't do haunted houses. Huh. So this weekend, I uh, I got roped into doing Halloween horror nights coming At up Universal? in a few days. Yeah. And how is it? I don't that's know. A, that's I'm a, going on Saturday. Oh, I see. And I'm beyond terrified. So. Are you going on to Halloween Horror Nights on Saturday? Yeah. I'm going to uh, Pierce College's okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, haunted house for my brother's I don't like haunted thing. houses, though. I'm, I'm doing this like begrudgingly as a favor for someone. and I am Universal Halloween Horror Nights is, is good, though. Who are you going with, and are you getting VIP front of we line are. passes? Uh, actually, That's a fan, a fan of Bagged and Boarded uh, hit up me and my co-host and was like, it's my birthday, I want to go out with so you guys. Nice. So yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. That is the way to go, dude. VIP we are, there. Except I'm fucking... For like... $30 extra a ticket or something. Yeah, it's so not bad at all. Worth it not to have to stand in line. So if I'm still alive on, uh, on Sunday, I'll tell you how it went. I <laughs> there's a, a good chance I'll that. have a heart attack. I always have a great time with that. I take a crew up there every fall. I have no doubt that we'll do it before this month is out again. If we don't end up going actually switching it up a little bit or switching it down geographically and going down to a not scary farm. Or even Disney for Halloween time. I like Disney for Halloween. It's fun for its specific tone, but obviously it's a little more... They change it up. Broad. Yeah. That's cool. They change the Haunted Mansion for... uh, Jack Skellington. Christmas. No, they do it at Halloween. They They started at Halloween, but it's the Christmas Christmas thing. What do they call it? Uh, just, I think the Haunted haunted Mansion. I don't think they changed it. Jack Skellington's house or something. I don't know. Yeah. Something. Um, My favorite is the effect instead of uh, when the elevator... And there's that giant Jack looking up through the oh, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what is this I've heard about Neil Patrick Harris's haunted house thing? I've heard. I know you're talking about, about that. that like yeah. performance art theater thing. I don't know what it is? It's somewhere here in the Hollywood it's like an Hills. Just, was he going to yeah. s- sing another Glee song? No, he's not in it. He's, he's he created it or is choreography or something. It's I one don't of know. those what like is um. It? Fuck, I, can't. I, I I think it, I don't get me wrong, but I think it's one of those like alt alt theater group things where you're like involved in the experience, huh? Kind of like a role playing thing, because he did another thing about a year or two like that where it was like a scavenger hunt type thing through the streets of Hollywood with like actors, right? Walking around, right? So it was like an immersive real ARG kind of hmm. alternate reality game. So I don't, I think Whatever. it's something similar to that. That's I can't weird. keep up with it. I can barely wrap my head around food trucks. Yeah, there's can't, a this can't a, keep up with Mr. Neil Patrick Harris's <laughs> fast busy, He's a busy man. Yeah, exactly. Um, what were we gonna say, Tyler? Oh, this this Halloween. I guess there's this haunted house, the one I'm going to on Saturday. Uh huh. Which giving a shout out to my brother's thirtieth birthday, which will be on Friday. That's the Happy only reason you agreed to come on the show. It is. It? That's all I wanted. I wanted to push my brother's birthday. <laughs> Shit. Um, Where's Pierce? 
It's Pierce College. I think it's it's in the valley. Um, I'm not sure exactly where. The San Fernando Valley. Towards like Sherman Oaks. Okay. Um, it's supposed to be amazing. It's really supposed to be one of the best Halloween, really haunted houses huh. in California. Huh. Cohen's looking it up. So, I'm 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 still in the Patrick Harris thing. It's called Delusion: The Blood Rite, Haunted Mansion. Uh, let's see. It's a haunted mansion. He's producing it. In the hills, uh, da, 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 da. I don't know. It sounds like there's music too. Hmm. Of course, there's sounds music. Sounds like a gay haunted show tunes. Tunes. Yeah, sounds like a gay haunted house. <laughs> yes, of course. That's awesome. Huh? We're gonna play Yentl actually exactly. the whole time. Why exactly. are you being terrified? What was the What was the other suggested title for this episode? Something about Harvey Yeah, it was something about Yentl. I think it was literally something about Yentl. Something about Yentl, yeah. That was the title. The, the title. Yentl configuration. The Yentl configuration. <laughs> the lamentable Yentl configuration. Papa, can you hear me? <laughs> the lamentable Clement. That's pretty good, too. I like that one. I like that mm. one better. You like, do you prefer that one? Switch it up. Lamentable Are you actually going to listen to this, though? Because this, now this title is like buried deep in this podcast. I'll text myself right now. All right, the lamentable configuration. <laughs> Say that. No, what oh, no, the lamentable Clement. Say that five times fast. The lamentable Clement. The lamentable Clement. The lamentable Clement. The lamentable Clement. Did I get there? Oh no, Clement. you, I fucked, it up you fucked it up. I stumbled on my way out the door. <laughs> um, what have you seen at the movies lately, Tyler? What have I seen at the movies lately? The go-to question. Um, I saw the master. Yeah, and I was not a big fan. You know, I have yet to meet anyone who is. I left feeling. I've met people who are, and I don't believe them. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I still don't believe. It's, it. I love, it's seemingly not being well received. I love P.T. Anderson. I always have. Um, but yeah, I left. It was one of those movies. I left the theater feeling like I Third walked away problems. with nothing. I walked away with nothing. Yeah. Uh, yes, it was beautifully shot. Acting mm-hmm. was really good, mm-hmm. but I just it didn't buy it. It didn't. Everybody seems to think it, it, it amounts to nothing, and it's it sort of just ends. Yeah, I don't know. What else is great? Samsara was awesome. Haven't seen it. Um, is that the sequel to Baraka? Yeah. Oh, I need to go see that. What did you see? Really it? Arclight. Yeah, it's at Arclight. Hmm. Uh, I don't think it's there for much longer. So you better. I know. Get on I'm that. so clueless and behind. I haven't even seen Perks of Being a Wallflower yet. Which is that awesome. Was my... I went to a screening of it, and I got to meet the director and writer. Perks? Um, yeah. You loved it? It was great. I loved the book. Um, Brian actually turned me on to the book in June. I had never read it. Right. And I read it in a day and a half, and then he got us tickets to a screening with the original writer-director. Right. Um, and it was amazing. It was such an awesome experience. Huh. And I really liked it. It was definitely... I would compare it to, like, well, I think what the review it's saying right now is it's the modern-day Breakfast Club. Yeah. Totally. Okay. It was great. Yeah, I've got to get to it. Uh, Bill Condon really liked it. I went, and yeah, I'm, I'm a huge knowing fan me as of... well as he does, urged me to go based on the subject matter. It was great. It was yeah. Perks of, being, perks of Being a Wallflower. Brought to you by the fine folks at Summon Entertainment, home of the Twilight Saga franchise. <laughs> um, I can't... God, what have I seen? I don't think I've seen anything since Dread. Dread? Did you see... So I have nothing to recommend since... Did you see Paranorman? No. That was good. Yeah. You liked, liked it. it? Not as much as the one before, um, Coraline, but it right. was still good. Right. Why are you going out there, Cohen? <laughs> there's, cha- there's chairs in here, too. <laughs> Cohen's going out to smoke, so he's off mic. Um, 
What about you? We didn't get to hear about your scary movie. Talk about Bond 50 when I get back in there. Do you know things about that? No, I bought it. It's awesome. Oh. You're insane. And yes, let's do talk about that when you get back. Okay. Um, good call, Tyler. What's the movie that's most... I mean, I don't know that I've been scared in a movie, per se. I think that, for me, the feeling of sort of being a little disturbed by something or uh, having a sort of a mild sense of dread or a sort of eerie feeling is the closest I get. And I would say that, believe it or not, I definitely had it the first time I saw Blair Witch, which I saw on a VHS tape before it went to Sundance and had only sort of heard whispers about it from me, from my friends at Ain't It Cool News. Um, and I thought, I think that movie deserves a lot more credit than it gets. I think people are really have an issue with the fact that that movie made over a hundred million dollars and cost probably under $10,000. Yeah. But for me, since. so much, so much of it is about the writing all the stuff that's in there, the story around the witch herself, the Rustin Parr character, Coffin Rock, all of this. But where it all adds, what it all adds up to, that sort of final image in the basement of the house, I thought was really, really intelligent, really, really sophisticated. It's been forever and disturbing since I've seen that. I think it's it's pretty great. I saw it when I was probably. 13 in the theater and was it effective for you yeah i mean yeah it was a really cool i mean my you know being in durango small town enough yeah. the theater was packed i think there were yeah. people sitting on the floor yep um which is awesome yeah but it was I mean, it was movies. cool it was i mean definitely was spooked but yeah i can't i can't remember it enough to really yeah. know how i feel about it now um i thought that was very effective i thought the progeny if that's the right word i believe it is the progeny of blair witch the children of blair witch were also likewise effective i'm thinking mostly of um session nine which i think is great yep what is that that's a sort of movie done in in the style of a very sort of dogma stripped down style directed by the written and directed by the writer and director of the machinist Christ, the christian bale movie okay which is good i'm thinking his name is brad anderson i'm pretty sure of it i could look all it right up. so session nine and then back to stir of echoes um stir which is echoes. definitely sort of also in some ways i think sort of made during the same period or made in a few years after blair Witch, the success of blair witch project and i think was the approach to that in some probably a, a more right. broad way was um Brad Anderson, director of Session Nine. Yeah. With David Caruso. Oh great. Yeah. That's a good movie, dude. You should check that out. I will. It's I'll creepy. Check it out. Um and the director of A Stir of Echoes, which is an adaptation of I think maybe a Richard Matheson story, is David Kep. The screenwriter probably most famous for adapting Michael Crichton's Jurassic Park. I just make it happen. I just sit here, dude. I make the connections. <laughs> I know. I, I, I didn't even comes. need to be here. You could exactly. Just sat here alone by yourself with your Prince of Darkness by John Carpenter is really good. Are you I a have fan? seen that. 
a long time ago. That's a fan. Odom and I are big fans of that. I have the, um, especially the last I 10 minutes this, or so. My brother got me this Halloween scream theme CD years and years ago, and it has the theme for Prince of Darkness. Prince of Darkness on awesome. It. I'm going to be putting that on my Facebook page. Yes. As I part should, of my send you 31 days of I'll give you that horror. Album. It's pretty themes. awesome. Yeah. As Halloween has the omen, the shining, Prince right. of Darkness. Right. It's pretty badass. Huh. I love it. I love horror movies. I love genre movies. I really Um, wish the horror genre would. And I love September and October, and we're in the middle of it now. Although I could do with a bit more actual feeling of it. I mean, I do love 97 on October 3rd, but... I don't at all. No. No. You're missing the Colorado fall? Yeah, I I think, you know, when you get... When you grow up with the seasons, there's something that really ties me to Halloween... Yeah. Of orange leaves. And you need the run up to it. Yeah. It's, yeah. you know, I always want to feel it for 30 days before you get to 31. Exactly. Yeah. Well, like watching like Halloween when I was little, you know, in Haddonfield, Illinois, when the leaves are changing and they're right. all over the ground. That's how it was in my, my hometown. Right. It was almost exactly like that. Right. So it kind of gives you this feeling. Anyway, yes. Right. Yolan is back from his smoke. And now we're going to talk about Yolan Odom. How dare you? No, I'm just checking Yolan's a text from uh, Greg Yolan. Um, all right, so speaking of Bond, Friday, which will be the 50th anniversary of the opening day of Dr. No, the very first James Bond film starring the very first, and many would stay still the definitive James Bond, Sean Connery. They're dropping the new Adele single. Have you heard the Adele tease? Let the sky fall. It's fucking awesome. I listen to it all the time. You have it already? There's 90 they, second preview. Yeah, what? They, Where? Adele's Twitter. On my Facebook page, Tyler Clement. Pay okay. attention. I've been Jesus. guilty not to have checked your No, Facebook. I like it. Clearly. I think, I've been, I think you've I unsubscribed. every morning and listen to I think you've unsubscribed from me. You unticked no, show on newsfeed. I totally didn't. When was the last time you liked anything on my Facebook page? No, a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. When was the last time you were so sensitive about it? Oh, never. <laughs> um, some people, so let's just dwell on the Adele. Here's the weird thing. Which is amazing. Here's my little riff that. on the Adele. They're dropping the single on Friday to coincide with the 50th. Great. Right? Awesome. Love the fact that they're using the original John Barry James Bond melody. Great. What I will tell you as a little side note is that when Greg Yolan was in London to record the score, and I hope I'm not repeating myself, to record the score uh, for The Twilight Cycle Breaking Dawn Part 2 with composer Carter Burwell, composer Thomas Newman, the great American uh, uh, film yes. composer Thomas you Newman. Did, did we talk did, about this on air, though? I believe we did. All right, well, let me just run through it, it for another 45 seconds. Quick, go. Carter Burwell and Thomas Newman got together at the Tate Modern in London for an afternoon and just hung out two composers. Greg Yolen was lucky enough to be there, a huge fan of both guys and their work. And Thomas Newman, at that point, was still writing the score for Skyfall and remarked that he was a hard, he was having a hard time finding a way to sort of get a fingerprint on James Bond. And that's insofar as he was concerned, the only composer 
over the entire cinematic history of James Bond to really have done it was John Barry what with about, that definitive Bond theme, not David Arnold. Don't say it. What about Marvin Hamlish? I'm joking. There are literally some moments yeah. in the Hamlish scored films where it turns yeah. into like a fucking Three Stooges movie. It's just <laughs> boing, boing, boing noises um, in the background. Okay, so to that end, I thought having heard that quote paraphrased to me by Greg Yolen, I did think it was interesting when I heard that sample of the Adele song that the John Barry notes, the John Barry Bond melody was right in the body of the song. I also think it's interesting that the song itself is called Skyfall. Um, I also thought it was interesting as someone who is now sort of uh, in the CIC or the war room uh, for, you know, the marketing of a major event movie that to see that for a single that is dropping on Friday, which will already have dropped by the time anybody is listening to this, this 52nd sample goes up on Monday. A lot of mainstream movie sites all pick it up, and then Sony Music starts pulling it down all over the place to the point where you're sort of literally having to look in, in people's comment threads on Facebook to see like, oh, no, don't worry. Yeah, they killed that SoundCloud. But no, it's popped up over here at this Adele fan site or whatever. And it's sort of like, you know what? If you're, if you're, if you're going to release a single on any certain day, let alone a day that's, that's actually tied to a, uh, an anniversary of some significance, why not put 50 seconds up as a sample? And here's a radical idea. Leave it up so that people can listen to it instead of throwing it up there and then pulling it down or throwing it up and pulling it down to throwing it. And even if they didn't put it up, even if Sony Music didn't didn't authorize the release of that and it and was a leak, it's like, you know what, you make the call on the fly to go ahead and leave it up because it's not a bad thing. Let's have half of the song up at the top of the week and then at the end of the week we deliver the full song. Hello. Yeah. You know? So um the song sounds okay. I was happy to hear the John Barry notes. There is another person um, who I know whose opinion I respect greatly that thought that the use of the historic Bond melody, as well as the the fact that the lyric literally is just the title of this movie, I'm pretty was sure. like a five-minute song. Like, how long did it take for them to conceive and execute this? Typically, aren't all the title themes literally titled the title of the movie i think all i don't know of, I are think they every single one of them ever yeah. has been. is that yeah. so yeah, yeah totally so. it would yeah. only be called you know, skyfall they're right. always tomorrow never dies the world's not a, you know what i mean right is that so I, i've been i'm like 12 movies in and so far the the names of the yeah, songs you're, you're are right. always they're synced all, up even if they're not like uh the spy who loved me they only say that once in the entire song right right but it's still called the, you know what i mean Interesting. what about casino okay. royale i can't not a, uh Dude, well, they the wandered Craig, away from that. I don't think the Daniel think, Craig movies don't have songs. I don't think this right? will be the first. This will be the first. Maybe because they're rebooting it. Kind of. I don't. Huh. Think, Let me just say strenuously, I'm certainly not an authority on James I'm Bond. I'm pretty in any way, sure the Craig I'm movies don't have theme songs, as it were. Okay, but My Matt Cohen is something of an authority, having read now all of the Ian Fleming novels. Oh, yeah. Wow. That's in sequential impressive. order. Yes. Right. And now you completed doing, that task. Yes, and now I'm doing the movies, which right. I hadn't. Hold. That's awesome. Having completed a, a thorough reading of the entire Ian Fleming James Bond catalog, if you will, what's your take? 
I like it. I mean, there's, uh, you see him reacting to the movies towards the, toward, the Blofeld trilogy is by far the best out of any of them. Which I mean, are? Uh, Thunderball, um, from Russia to love and fucking, with love, with love. from Russia with love. And maybe right. you only live what, twice. twice, twice, I think okay. it's whatever the, the three movies that Spectre's in and Blofeld and like the, the recurring bad guy thing. And it's okay. actually kind of like, like a arc. Okay. Like James Bond arc. Those okay. are the best. Most of them are good. The Bond in the book starts way different than the Bond in the films. Right. He's kind of an asshole, and he smokes like 800 cigarettes a day, and he's he's out of shape-ish, and he's okay. he's not debonair. Right. And sort of more... Dalton, people say. Typically British. Or people say Dalton, actually, was the closest to the novel Bond. Visually. Uh, Performance-wise. Performance-wise, okay. Just in terms of being like gruff and not that charming and, and more hard-edged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally. <laughs> what's, what's the name of the... What was the actor who played Bond once? Lazenby. The, the ski George movie. Lazenby. Yeah, that's right, yeah. George. It wasn't the ski one. Wasn't it the ski it's, one? No, the ski one is Roger Moore. I, I just oh, watched you're that right, one. Oh, you're right. The ski one is uh, The Spy Who Loved Me, I think. Is I it? don't know. Or it's the next. It's the one right after The Spy Who Loved Me. It's Moonraker. The one bef- it's right before Moonraker and right after The Spy Who Loved Me. It's the I first didn't know Jaws. there was one. It's the Jaws movie. Is that The Spy Who Loved Me? Or they go to Egypt? Jaws is Moonraker. Jaws That's, is two movies. Yeah, is Jaws he? is Moonraker and and the one before it. And the one where the actual there were sharks in the there were sharks in the tank and they go to yes. Egypt and they have you only to, live yeah, twice. Yes. Yeah. That's, yes. yes. You're yeah, right. Yeah. I think. yeah. Um, that's the ski one that starts off with like okay. the giant ski jump with no score and yeah. no music. And it's right. like 50 seconds of a guy just free falling on right, skis. Right. Okay. Yeah. God. Here's my take on the movies, which I, I'm, I hadn't done recently. Yeah. So, um, j- just for those who couldn't hear you as you were stepping out for your 800th cigarette, um, first, first, <laughs> Bond 50 released on Blu-ray and DVD last Tuesday. Uh, most notable for obviously, you know, a certain co- anniversary, packaging and a co- cohesion of design but more than that certain of these titles which had never been previously released on blu-ray were finally released on blu-ray as part of this set and so now 22 films them that once can have a, a complete james bond set and, all in blu-ray and they That's give you awesome. a uh, an empty slot for skyfall when it Is does that true? come out yeah it says this space reserved for Skyfall, and it's like a paper cut out of a DVD. That's kind of cool. Pretty cool. Here's the other thing they give you. They give you a cut-down version of either it's the DK book or a Tashin book. I think it's DK, Doris Kinderling Publishing, I think, of James Bond movie on posters. On disc? No, like it comes... No. Well, if you bought it on Amazon, sweetie... Oh, I didn't get that. You would get I a cut-down version of that. that. Huh. Uh, I just got it from Best Buy. I got it just like You would set. get an excerpt. I'll give you a copy. I have a spare. Oh, nice. Thanks, dude. Awesome. Yeah. Um... It's good. It's, it's, uh, alright, so, Dr. No and, uh, From Russia with Love, which are the first two films. Right. Are pretty fucking boring, in my okay. opinion. Okay. Like, Dr. No is considered the classic, but I was fading out. It reminds me, it's like Enter the Dragon with Sean Connery. <laughs> okay. And a wig. Goldfinger's where it really starts, in my opinion. Goldfinger's fucking awesome. Like, okay. it's like and 10 the minutes. the theme song is killer. T- Tina the, Turner, it's the right? first one where there's a theme no, song. Shirley no, Shirley Bassey, right? Oh, Shirley, oh, no, no, Shirley no. Bassey's Diamonds Shirley Bassey's Are Forever. Diamonds Are Forever. Oh, okay. Tina Turner is, is Golden Eye. And Goldfinger. Is she, she Goldfinger two. also? She wow. was the first, the only person to ever do two. Um, Goldfinger immediately is just... Goldfinger a, in the 60s. Yeah, Right. So. It's just immediately... So it would have been a young Tina Turner while she was taking her... Taking her lumps from Ike. It's just immediately a different movie though, because there's like the out, down. outlandish bad guys and crazy Gold secret fist. bases. Yeah, 
And uh, there's a, that's the first real Q movie. That's the first movie where Q is called Q. And it's okay. the first movie with like the Aston Martin and the gadgets. And it's, okay. it's fucking fun. Um, Lazenby is the worst fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. I would have been a James, better James Bond than fucking George Lazenby. Well, maybe one, one day you'll have one a day, chance. Right? Uh, Roger Moore, who I had never... I don't think I'd ever seen a Roger Moore Bond mm-hmm. before I bought this set. Mm-hmm. I might like him better than Connery. Really? You're right. It was Shirley Bassey. It was. Wow. Tina she, Turner's she, did too, she did too then. She, she did, did Diamonds Are Forever. Diamonds also. Are Forever. Listen, I told you two motherfuckers at the outset, I am a complete authority on all things <laughs> James Bond. Uh, Roger Moore, I didn't know he did the most too. Like there's that line yeah. in Lost in Translation where uh, they want Bill Murray to pose for that whiskey ad. And they're like, come on, James Bond, Roger Moore. And he's like, Roger, he's like, you mean Sean Connery, right? And they're like, no, 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 Roger Moore. <laughs> Roger Moore's really capable and like yeah. a fine Bond. I'm, yeah. I, was, I was totally surprised. Yet a, a friend of mine who's obsessed with James Bond hates Roger Moore. Really? Because by the, the time, Bond. by the time, in Con- fact, he did the reverse, starting off. Daniel Craig went backwards. Starting off with the the last Craig, Quantum which, of Solace. You know the yes, which no one seems to have liked, and went backward and fucking skipped over the entire Moore run. That's seven movies. Made a the leap. most of the Bond movies. I know. And there are cool ones in there, uh, too. I questioned him thoroughly on the wisdom of that choice, but he was, uh, he stuck to his guns. Um, because by the time Connery finished, uh, he went away, Lazenby came in and he came back. He had aged like 30 years in two fucking years. Interesting. Like he, w- he was not there. If you watch right. that last Bond film, which, with the last Connery one, which is the one with Jane Seymour. I think. Is that never say never again? It's never say, no, that's, that's the non-Eon Bond oh, film. Okay, that's yeah. not officially canon. That's not right. on the set. Right, right, okay. Uh, so the last official Bond movie, there are no shots of him from the waist down, like oh, when really? his shirt's off and stuff, cause right. he, he like went to shit in the time Lazenby did that movie. Interesting. Um, Dalton only did two and he's kind of okay, he's just okay. Yeah. But I like Timothy Dalton from other stuff, mm-hmm. so I don't mind him. Princess Bride. Princess Bride, uh, Hot Fuzz. He is in Princess Bride, right? No, I kind of reached there. I don't there. know why you no, said that. I he's just in, mixed it up to see. He's Mandy Patinkin, motherfucker. He's in Beautician and the Beast. What about Mandy Patinkin <laughs> is fun? Beautician and the Beast. Mandy Patinkin. It's weird looking at the names that they, they threw around for James Bond. Um, yeah, would-be Bonds. Would, all of the would-be Bonds. Like, Michael Gambon was offered Interesting. Uh, to take over Connery, and he was like, I'm way too out of shape. was apparently... Wow. Wow. Um, Pierce Brosnan was supposed to be Dalton, but he, he turned it down, so Brosnan could have been Bond like eight years earlier. Well, I think that was less, uh, less of Pierce, who I get to refer to as Pierce, having met him. Bill has directed both Pierce and Roger Moore wow. in a series of cable movies made right before Gods and Monsters in the late 90s. Awesome. Um, oh, that's cool. Pierce, total sweetheart. Uh, I think desperate, desperate to sink his teeth into that stake and couldn't get out of Remington Steel. I think that's what I read about Let's face it, basically the same fucking thing. Yeah, pretty much. Um, What did I want to say to you, Matt Cohen, about James Bond? Oh, are we happy with this announcement that Sony is doubling down on on Daniel Craig for X more movies, or are we a little disappointed that, for instance, Michael Fassbender will not be stepping into the... Role. I'm happy only because 
especially now knowing the film history, I'm happy that he gets five movies because it equals him with with Connery. Basically, I right. I don't want I don't want James Bond to only do two fucking movies. Like I like right. well, Skyfall will be his third, third, fourth, and fifth. So he's he's signed on for five now in total, which is a right. little bit of a Bond legacy, which is right. cool. I like right. Daniel Craig. As I like Bond. I don't mind him. I mean, uh, I was looking at the list of people they wanted to cast, and out of that, uh, Clive Owen was by far my, would have been my favorite. Hmm. Right. Or, or Gerard Butler is also considered too, but he might be too big physically. Right. Not now. That. that was before they cast Craig, right? Yeah, this now. was before they cast Daniel Craig. For the new yeah. Bond, who knows what they'll fucking do. Yeah. It'll be Andrew Garfield. Like, you know what I mean? Were you surprised by the announcement that Sony, again, doubling down with, with Andrew Garfield for another Spider-Man movie and Mark Webb? Mark Webb signed back on again? That's, I, th I think I had, I read that correctly, yeah. I didn't even see the, that. I thought that movie was perceived as something of a disappointment. I didn't see it. Box office wise, it wasn't though. I don't. Are you think. sure about that? Global. I think it did decent enough, and Sony really doesn't have much else going on. Right. No. Franchise wise, um, what was I just gonna say? I think that, I think Skyfall is gonna do really fucking well. I think so. Too. I'm, I think I'm it's gonna be like the biggest it. Bond hit since like Goldeneye. I think I think this is the real reboot. Right. Awesome. You know what I mean? Yep. So I think that's what Sony's. That's what. Whoever's putting it out is thinking. Right. Sony, right? Yes, it is Sony. Sony and MGM. Sony under MGM, but MGM has Correct. no actual company anymore. Correct. I'm okay. excited. I also like the choice of the Bond women in this movie. The new one. Yeah, who is? Who yeah. are they? I don't know. I, I don't know the uh, the bad, the femme fatale one, but it's Naomi Harris, I believe her name is, from like 28 Days Later... Danny Boyle movie? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, African-American chick. Uh, mm -hmm. Really pretty. Oh, mm -hmm. cool. Been in a bunch of really cool stuff. She was also in Children of Men. That's right. As the, the pregnant one, right? Yes. Yep. As the one who wanted to name her baby Froley. Yes. Right. Froley's a boy's name. <laughs> I love that, dude. Um, Speaking of Mandy Patinkin. Yeah, oh, but, so oh, but real quick. My other cool coolest interjection, though. Even the movie wasn't good. I had no idea Christopher Lee played a bad guy in a Bond movie, and it made me very fucking happy. And I knew that. Man with the Golden Gun. Yeah. He was the man with the Golden Gun. Yeah. With Hervé's Villages. I know, right? The plane, the plane. Oh, the other Bond girl is Helen McCroy. I don't know McCroy. who that is. Harry Potter. I don't, yeah. Interesting. Who was she in Harry Potter? She was. Give me one second. Give me one second. Oh, she was uh, Narcissa Malfoy, Drake, oh, okay. Draco's mother. Wait, she was Narcissa. Yeah, that's what it says. I find that. But she's in Skyfall. Maybe she's not. Maybe she's not the hot chick. I don't know. Yeah, mm. I don't think she is the hot chick. Interesting. Well, anyway. if you're looking forward to it, my understanding is you're going to get a lot of it because it's a two hours and fifteen minutes long. Like the old movie. Like most yeah. of those old Bond movies are yeah. so long. Yeah, well, almost Sam Mendes movies run long too. Actress. What's that? A French actress is the hot blonde girl. Do you think I? And I've been talking about this a lot, uh, right? In regards to Doctor Who lately, which is a whole different story. But do you think they would ever switch but up? No less British. Switch up the uh, casting on Bond and go female, go uh, black eye, go. Because do you think that will ever happen? No, you don't. Never. No. Yeah. Never. I don't think so. Never. Let me ask you this question, though. Have I asked this before? First of all, whoever's looking up, find out when Street Date is a, is on Prometheus. Because then we have a get, get out of podcasting free card that we get to play. Um, and it might be next week. I think it's October, isn't it? Uh, it was, um, check, right now. check your Amazon. I didn't like Prometheus. 
Um, Tyler, shush. Shut the fuck up, Tyler. We invite you. We invite you here. In case you haven't heard, it's been anointed by this podcast as oh well, best picture. I haven't seen it, so I can't make any comments. But he loves it. What is the street date? Just run a Google search for Prometheus street date. Uh, Okay, so, and I have to wait for you to finish that before before I can ask you this question because I need your fullest concentration for your answer. Oh, uh, it streets on October 9th. Yeah, next Tuesday. All right, so next Tuesday we drop. I think next Wednesday we drop. Okay. Can we get this on before next Wednesday, this episode that we're recording on uh, Wednesday today? Yeah. We can. Yeah. All right, good. Um, oh, it's a cool disc. It's a, have you seen the cover yet? Folks, Prometheus, here's the thing. I guess we're just going to go ahead and announce... So we already went, we went ahead and pre-recorded a, an episode with, um, Ridley Scott's DVD producer, Charlie DeLazarica, who has wow. also come into his own as a writer and director with his recent film, Crave. We will be dropping that podcast, which we have been sitting on for a few weeks now, next week to coincide with the street date for the Prometheus Blu-ray and DVD. What you will hear on that episode, uh, is what I, is what I can tell you now. You need to buy the four disc collector's edition to get the content that will be discussed on that episode. Anything less than the four disc collector's edition, uh, and you will be shorting yourself. Which Amazon has listed at the very reasonable price of $29. Yeah. Which isn't better. That is the edition to get, folks. That's the only edition. The four disc collector's edition. Get it. All right, so just one more thought on Prometheus that I that came to me after we recorded that podcast that I've sort of been holding in my gums. Here's ultimately where I where I come at with Prometheus Tyler Clement configuration <laughs> is for me that was a movie about expectations and a lot of people whether like me they tried to avoid the TV spots, the international trailers, the international TV spots all this kind of shit and just tried to go in cold or people who went in immersed in all the so-called materials, marketing materials. Um, everybody brought their own expectations into that movie. And how could you not, not only is it the newest film in the sort of alien mythology, but it's the master, it's the auteur going back to the mythology, going back to the landscape that he himself created in 1979, I believe. Um, who could who could suspend expectations that they had about Ridley Scott returning to the alien universe? But here's my take. Ridley Scott is now like roughly the same age as Ian McKellen. He's 73 or 74 years old. Mm-hmm. When Ridley Scott finally decides, after all the movies he's made and all the nominations and awards, all the box office an unbelievably influential, unbelievably important filmmaker, when he decides finally that that he's heard a thing or two that has interested him sufficiently in re-entering that universe, which he has not done to this point, when that artist is going back into that universe, he goes back in on his own terms, he goes back into, based on his own interests, and on what he wants to explore through that universe, which he feels he needs that universe to explore. This is the perfect universe for whatever ideas and concepts he wants to explore that he, that he's either developed himself. 
he's developed in conjunction with his writers, in this case, Damon Lindelof and Scott Spate, I think is his last name, if I have that right. Spates. Um, and I guess my feeling is, um, yeah, movies, you know, even inexpensive movies like Kinsey cost $11 million. Gods and Monsters cost three and a half. Um, this on the grand scheme of things was nowhere near the most expensive movie ever made. It was made for like, I think 130 million after all the re, the UK rebates were cashed in, et cetera. Um, which I'm only just, I'm only building into sort of, to sort of just, um, modify my argument, which mm-hmm. is if you don't like what that artist makes from the universe that he himself created, or you don't like the themes or you're not interested in the themes that that artist finds compelling at this point in his artistic life, portrait of the artist as an older man, right? A lion, not yet in winter, but, Go fuck yourself. That's my take on Prometheus. He went back into that universe on his own terms as an artist. And if it didn't meet with your expectations of what you wanted from an alien movie or an aliens movie, which has since become a little infectious. Yes. Who fucking cares? By the way, when Ridley Scott goes back into Blade Runner, which he's going to, Mm -hmm. when he goes back into Blade Runner, he's going to go back in based on what interests him. As a 74-year-old man, which I suspect will have much in common with it, with what interests him on Prometheus, which are the mortality issues as explored through the Guy Pierce character yeah. in Prometheus. Um, and again, it's, it's like, he doesn't owe you shit. Oh no, I don't, I don't you know? think, like, I don't think I was owed anything at all. And I don't, I didn't hate Prometheus, but right. I did, I did go in with expectations right. as a huge alien fan. Right. But, um, and this is what I, you got. Well, I love the origin myth that he released in Prometheus. I loved yeah. it. The first, actually the first, a little over the third of the film, I was sitting there on the edge of my seat like, this movie's going to be amazing. Right. And I was so excited. Right. But then all of a sudden, for some reason, and I can't really articulate what that was, but halfway through the film, I kind of just lost me. And right. I don't think it was the story itself. Right. But I felt like Charlie's acting was a little weak. In really? Some points, in some points, I felt like it was a little... You. I thought I, she was strong. Yeah. I thought she, I mean, I love her. I think she's great. Yeah. But I thought in some points it was a little weak. Right. I didn't buy Guy Pierce as the old man. It right. looked really make-up-y. Right. Um, and that bothered me. So I think right. the majority, I think it was just the technical things that bothered me. Not story but or that character that was enough things. to pull me out. There of are the story reality. and character issues. There's no question of it. But and it's that's sort what of it like, was for me, I think. Yeah, but it's an artistic work. Whereas I look at but, a lot of other movies and it's like... His world was amazing. Yeah. And the, the, the sets were fantastic. And the tone. I love the practical sets. The tone and feeling. All right. So Prometheus next week. And, um, Matt Cohen is giving me the signal that we've, we've got an hour in the can now. Um, which is how it usually works. And then, you know, he taps his wrist. Here's just what I want to ask you, Matt Cohen. Very subtly. Go for it. In theory, I, I could wait another few episodes or another. Six episodes until we're actually on the other side of Skyfall. But he, here's what I want to know. Here for me is the million-dollar question. Okay, we all grew up with James Bond. You've recently gone back and drilled down hardcore. You've read all the Fleming. You're making your way now through all the movies made from the Fleming and then beyond, right? 
learning as I have about the UK within the last year or two, and having spent quite a bit of time there last year, and I'm looking forward to spending more time there in November. I've seen MI6. I've seen the building. I saw the building that they blow up in the trailer. I know what it looks like when you're actually standing on the bridge looking at it. And surmising, by the way, as I was standing on the bridge, I, they're going to blow that building, <laughs> right? That's how they're going to open. They're going to... They're going to blow that building. All right. So here's the, here's the question though. Um, how do I put this? Okay. So just bear with me. Go for it. All right. So here's the thing, Cohen, the UK, for those who don't know who are educated in Catholic school or public school, the UK is an Island. It's not a continent, right? The top of the Island is Scotland. The bottom of the Island is England. Another Ireland, another Ireland, another island to the west of it is called Ireland, right? So far. Okay. We're missing one, but. What's the other one? To the east, Wales, not an island. Wales, whatever. Yeah. All right. Wales so. It's, on. it's attached. Yeah. It is. Attached. Okay. So here's the thing. What? No, it is attached. It's attached to England, right? I, yeah, I yeah. could get into things about Wales and the Welsh oh. language. All right. Here's the thing. Here's that. the thing. <laughs> Let's leave Ireland out of it, as most British would love to do. Um, <laughs> if you take the main island, right? The in, UK. In England. Yeah. Or Great Britain, rather. Do you know how small that is? Pretty small. It's smaller than the state of fucking Oregon. Yeah. Okay? It's, it's not that now, big. remove Scotland from the equation. Do you know how small England is? It's smaller than the state of Louisiana. All right. Who's the prime minister? Right now? Yes. Uh, David Cameron. Good for you, Matt Cohen. Would you have known that, Tyler? I wouldn't have known that, no. All right. And I'm he, an Anglophile, though. So. Okay. So here's the thing. Most Americans would not know that, and you would not disagree with that statement. No, they wouldn't even know that Gordon Brown came between uh, they would, Tony if, Blair and... If they even know about Parliament... They would only know because they've seen vac National Lampoon's or vacation. W. Tony Blair was, was super famous because it happened at a – it was 9-11 and all that stuff. So right. I think most Americans would still assume Tony Blair is, is probably running the is country. The, is the president of England. Right, is the president, <laughs> of, the president okay. of England. Yeah. I knew he wasn't. I didn't know who was, though. All right, so here's the thing. Occupying that. Here's the thing. David Cameron and his wife, Sam Cam. <laughs> right now, as, as another Anglophile has put it to me, England is sort of most famous on the world stage. Yes, recently hosting the Olympic Summer Games. Yes, the Queen's Diamond Jubilee and a royal wedding this year. They've had a hell of a year. And the last major culture event, cultural event will be the release of the 50th I mean, the anniversary James Bond thing. Just for my own purposes, the doctor's gotten really big in the last like, year, okay. and I really okay. like that. So. All right, so here's the thing. But... And are, are they a superpower? Kind of, sort of. But as one of their own newspaper guys pointed out, you know, they're building an aircraft carrier now, but they don't have enough money to buy planes to fly off the aircraft carrier. <laughs> okay, just to put things in perspective. All right. And so as, as this other Anglophile was saying to me, you know, no, I mean, what they're about now is post-empire, post-imperial, and figuring out what their identity is, which yeah. is what the New York Times said on the front page when they were hashing out the opening ceremonies, Danny Boyle's opening ceremonies for the Summer Games. Well, what kind of what they're most famous for is being our best friend, 
on a global stage. That's what this guy said to me. This guy, by the way, Cohen's like shaking his head. I'm just telling you this no, guy. Okay. No, no, hugely no. educated. Right on. Yeah, right? yeah. That's mostly what they're most famous for. Pretty much. So here's the thing. Who took Osama bin Laden's head? We did. We did. America. Right? America. Who did, who did this? Who did that? Who did the yeah, other yeah, thing? Yeah. Us, 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 us. Right? The question that I hope gets asked over the next month or so by somebody, just so I can hear a thoughtful answer, is in the 21st century now, Why? given the reality of, I know what you're gonna say. of the UK being what the UK has become versus the United States... Now, yes, it's a venerable historic franchise that is, by the way, worth billions and billions of dollars in internet global box office as well as all the ancillary revenues. It's he's James Bond is a hugely important cultural figure, so much so that he's he created Austin Powers, which for a moment became another very important cultural figure. Like Batman and James Bond are the two most important literary figures of the twentieth century. Totally. You know what I mean? Yeah. Why is why is he not American now? No, no, no. Oh, oh God, please. I thought that's what no, you were no, getting no, at. No, no, oh, okay. no. Okay, I was like, Pfft. no, because it would be but boring. Here's the thing. Can we throw? Harry He's a Potter British secret guy? agent. Okay. He works for MI6. Mm-hmm. Who cares? In terms of what, though? In terms of world events, yeah. like, who cares, James Bond? Well, that's why. Th- <clears throat> Ian I- Fleming cares. And by the way, does anybody think that? That any British spy with MI6 is is out there saving the world in advance of whatever the American counterpart would be. No, but it's the same. I think it's the same thing as Jack uh, Ryan is literally the American counterpart, right? Who starts off sort of a CIA book sure. paperclip, who Jason then ends Bourne, up dropping on the top like, of the fucking nuclear who submarine. Who expects Ethan Hunt to go out and save the world too? It's Good like. Call. Yeah. I mean, it's heightened. It's heightened, dude. I don't think anyone... I mean, I think... I see what you're saying, and I think the problem is because... It's just these, a question of relevance. Continued relevance. Um, With Batman or Superman, you don't have to answer those questions. Well, Superman, I think they're going to... They always well, have to I'll, answer that question. I mean, that's a big one. But yeah. with Batman, look, as long as there's crime or in Christopher Nolan's interpretation, as long as there are, you know, buildings blowing up or whatnot yeah. in large urban, of you know, American urban centers, there's always an answer as to... Why Batman, etc. Uh, well, Batman's inter- a localized, you know, it's Gotham City. It's interestingly which enough, is Manhattan. Which, wink, yeah. wink. Interestingly yeah. enough, the reason Lazenby didn't, he, they originally signed him for seven films, George mm-hmm. Lazenby. The guy only did one. Right. After the first movie, his agent said, look, this James Bond secret spy thing is not going to play in the 70s. You should get out now. Huh. And he did. It was a big mistake. But that being said, Super spies haven't really been relevant since the seventies and since, since cold, you know, cold war era. Like we don't, Good call, we don't have spies anymore in general. So right. it just becomes a, no, uh, we have spooks. a genre thing. You know what I mean? We have homeland. Yeah. We have shit like that where it's yeah. actual government municipal employees doing shit. We have, so, so this yeah, is we have heightened. special forces. We have black ops. This is we still the heightened TSA. version of that. We have you know what? what I mean? TSA. TSA, who likes to see your penis. Yes. <laughs> Put your hands above your head and stay at standstill. <laughs> so I don't, I don't think James Bond has been relevant for, for close to like 30 years. Latex but gloves and a overweight man yeah. in a blue suit. <laughs> you know what I mean, though? I don't think Bond's been really we have re- TMZ. relevant for 30 years or so, but I don't think yeah. it's going to make a difference because at this point, no. it's, it's just one of our... Sherlock Holmes, how is that still fucking relevant? Sherlock's the best show on TV. That's what people See, say. People love that, that show. Then again, relevance is subjective. It's no, that's it's, what I mean. But yeah, societally relevant or culturally? No, but I do think it's interesting. 
Um, and you could certainly say, why is Edward Cullen and Bella Swan relevant? Why is Harry Potter relevant? Why does Harry Potter capture the imagination? But I think people have gone back now. Countless papers and countless research has been done. Um, on Potter? No, on why Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader in the 1970s. Oh, post-Vietnam, yeah. post-people. You know, there are sort of... There's a reason that all of that, there's a reason that the characters in any given age arise up out of the, the dirt, out of the rich yes. soil of that time. Lord of the Rings was post-World War II industrial complex. They have to, complex. exactly. Yeah, we don't have that anymore. They have to sort of keep reinventing or re-justifying their existence, or they just push the button set to cruise control and they just cruise. And I made Which, this, I made this comment about Disneyland recently, but I think it might be applicable here. It was like in the, when it first opened, Frontierland was like 80% of the park. Yeah. Within 10 years, it was like halved or even three-quartered and Tomorrowland yeah. was built. Yeah. Because the public interest went from cowboys to space. Yesterday to, to tomorrow. What's the public interest now? Fucking cynicism in Facebook. We don't yeah, have that. Yeah, I know. It's that. tough. It's we tough. Don't it's have interesting. That. Pirates, yeah. zombies, vampires. Good we don't podcasting. have. Good we don't have a, a cultural touchstone anymore. So yeah. I think in this in this world of act, instant access to information, there is no real relevancy anymore. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, yeah. it's just like with trends, there's resurgence and then there's constants. And I think like James Bond is a constant trend. It's never yeah. gonna. It's one of those. Star Wars is a constant trend, and Star Trek is a constant trend. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Star Trek is a constant, and they have their waves of popularity, and they'll go away for a few years, and they wither and die. How many conversations have you heard about all three of those franchises going away forever at certain points? You know what I mean? But yeah, it's interesting. It happens. I mean, Hunger Games feels very much of the now. That is that is very that that will be a trend. Very much of the now, but that's interesting. Twilight has a more timeless thing. It's romance. In the same way that, guess what? Hate to break it to you. They're going to be watching that fucking Titanic movie for a thousand fucking years. Oh, yeah. Because everybody can get on board with true love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if and if true love is threatened or true love could go away, true love could be lost, don't let go, Jack, never let go, people are all about well, that. That pushes every major button. That totally just reifies the whole why... Why Harry Potter is relevant? That whole and all of Harry Potter is about evil versus love. He's also like okay. an orphan, and like it's very we get it. Like the, the blueprints were Dickensian. there for, for that to be like yeah. a, cool, a significant, right? You know what I mean? Right, right. Um, you could almost, well, I mean, I could say you could almost uh, plan out in beforehand to write something like that. But George Lucas literally did with fucking Star Wars. He read like a bunch of Joseph right. Campbell books and was like, "I'm <laughs> right. going to copy a myth." Yeah, and then insert my own character. Had his friends Cloric. Gloria Katz and Willard Hike help him with the script, but anyway. Yeah, you know, so I mean. Do you feel, Matt Cohen, that Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace were a bond for that moment? I and think. That the, and that what we've seen so far from Skyfall is going to be a new Daniel Craig Bond, a different Daniel Craig Bond for maybe this moment? I, I don't think the Casino Royale and Quantum movies were a bond of that moment culturally or societally. I think they right. were a bond of that moment filmmaking business-wise. Business-wise or filmmaking-wise? Business-wise. That's right. what the Bourne movies were doing well. We needed right. a hard-edged, mm-hmm. gritty, fucking Paul right. Greengrass-looking Bond movie. Got it. I don't think it had anything to do with the public taste or what, where... No, and the Sam Mendes take... It's, is definitely more dialed into colorful. What's... Yes, a little more glamorous, a little less handheld, a little more sort of classic Hollywood. 
Absolutely. Like, yeah. the, like they were big spectacle movies, not yeah. fucking, not born supremacy. I Correct. feel like Casino Royale, though, wasn't connected to the whole, the old Bond feel, had a grasp on something, but then I feel like they dropped the ball with Quantum of Solace. Yeah, Quantum of Solace, have, and nobody, I don't know anybody who likes Quantum I of Solace. I don't like Casino Royale either. I hate Casino Royale, I really but liked I'm it. very excited for Skyfall because to me, this, I'm pretending the last two didn't happen, this is the reboot. Right. In right. my mind. It I'm looks so completely different. Right. It's it opened up. I'll the, give you that I mean, sure. the action looks incredible. Just the, right. the way the trailer looks. I mean. So far, what they seem to be selling almost entirely is action, 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 cut, 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 action, 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 cut, action, cut. And the very little character being sold. And Good. even I'm noticing the. Sell on Javier Bardem's villain Tiny. is very. Not even there. They're not really going there. Nope. Yeah. So Which makes me wonder, based on what we've discussed on previous episodes and what that, we know through our visual effects is that really vendor, is, I mean, there are lots of reasons that a, a, a studio might choose to hold something back from marketing materials in the form of theatrical trailers or TV spots. Are they hold, Sometimes yes. they hold it back because guess they, what? I don't think they It sucks. Them. Guess what? It's not testing well. I think there's a chance here that they're holding him back. Because there's literally like doesn't shit fit. you can't show. It also doesn't fit. I mean, we're talking spoiler territory. Not even spoiler territory. We're talking shit that we know that we can't tell people. But yeah, the stuff that we know doesn't seem to fit with the tone of the marketing campaign so, so far. far. Correct. So I don't think they're going to put it in. Yeah. Until because right. this villain, if what I, if what we've heard is true, this villain has a lot more in common with Richard Keel's Jaws. Than really any other Bond villain, and your your knowledge of Bond villains is encyclopedic at this point. But this guy's literally, let's just say, Cut, everything uh, that you see is not quite what it is. Totally. And there's metal involved. There's metal involved. So there's but stainless. That, yes. Exactly. But it seems like they're going more mastermindy. In the cell. It's a combination of Blowfield and Jaws. How about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Except so far we I have like seen no Jaws. No, we haven't. We seen. know that there's Jaws. We believe that there's Jaws unless they unless veered they away. Unless they got cut out, which is unless now. Unless they veered away. I've been watching the last few trailers going, I wonder if Start they're not going to gonna do that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. You'll find out, people. All right, guys. This has been awesome. I think this has been a rich, dense, flavorful cake. Not unlike that mess that you and your boyfriend uh, lapped up at dessert last night, which was delightful. And you can report to all the listeners that though a spoon was put down in front of me, it was not picked up. <laughs> so, all right. Um, episode, whatever number the lamentable Clement, is that what we stuck with? Love it. All right. Um, so we will see you next week. Actually, we have to record next week. We're going to drop two shows next week. So we're going to have to discuss that, but Definitely uh, our next episode next week, Charlie de Lazarica, Prometheus, and the Furious Gods. There's some variation of that title. No, it's the Furious Gods of Prometheus. Yeah. So um, I guess that's it. Tyler, thank you. Thank you. Come back anytime. Awesome. There's the front door. And uh, Matt Cohen, at Camel Toad, on Twitter. On Twitter for me, at Jack underscore Morrissey, two R's and two S's. Also at team underscore Jack, teamjack.com, where you can find our illustrated episode guides for each podcast uh, under the podcast button. We're on Pinterest and Tumblr and Facebook. Like us there. We'll see you next week. Out.
This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at smodcast.com.